Hey guys, this is Hampton with the More and More Podcast. I just talked to Nancy Farrick uh, about some honest things going on in her life, as well as our new and budding friendship. That is, I, I can't stress enough how new it is. Um, but she's awesome. You're going to love it. So stay tuned. Hey everyone, and welcome to the More and More Podcast. This is Hampton. I'm here with an extremely special Egyptian original <laughs> guest in Nancy Farrick. Um, just a disclaimer, Nancy and I are brand spanking new friends. Um, Nancy and I have known each other since you were in the college ministry 2013? Are we in the same class? Yeah, same class. You like first seem, day of freshman year. You always seem so young and I always seem <laughs> oh, really? so mature. Graduated super early. That's the only reason. Yeah, yeah, because I'm s- smart. Okay, you took anyway, 21 sorry, hours um, in a semester. You're right, you're right. Um, yeah, so I'm here with Nancy. Uh, Nancy, start off by telling us who you are and why it matters that you're on the Shandon College podcast, the More and More podcast. Go, Nance. Yeah, so I graduated from USC, so I'm a Gamecock. I graduated in 2017, so coming in, um, ending my second year out of USC and have gone to Shandon since I was a freshman. My brother actually went to Shandon College Ministry when he was at USC, and I saw the community he had, so I knew that when I was coming to USC, I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and so right now I currently live in Savannah, Georgia and work full time for a company called Booster Thon. And um, after college, I moved to Greenville, did a service year and then moved to Savannah this past July. So lots of transitions in my life since college, um, but that's always good. So it's great to be on this podcast. Thanks for asking me to come and share. Uh, Shandon is very, very dear to my heart um, and stayed so many hours at 2121, but before that, 631. So for those of you All who are listening, numbers, you're you're not gonna know what 631 is, because yeah. um, that was back my fre- our freshman year. Yeah. Uh, and just to be able to see the way it has grown, and you know mm-hmm. the things that I had prayed for as a student, and now two years later, seeing those things be answered in the college ministry is really sweet. Yeah. So Nancy was one of our superstar leaders, <laughs> like. So there are people like me who was like, yeah, he could probably leave <laughs> if he could just stop talking for a little bit. And so what I did instead was just start talking. <laughs> like, bought a microphone and just kept talking. And Nancy stopped talking and actually led. And so you were a freshman mentor. I was. And you led a small group with that freshman mentor. I did. That you forced thing. a few girls into my freshman group. But they are now you're some welcome. of my closest friends. So thank you for that. Anna Mack, if you're listening, we love you. Yes. And, my, my, and Brooke. Dang, yeah, he had the squad. Um, and then you're president of Shannon College. Yes, senior which year. I don't know even what that means. <laughs> I think I tried to get elected and it didn't go well. Yeah, so I was president and just got to oversee a lot of leading leaders in our leadership meetings. Right. Um, and that year also kind of worked alongside you um, and some other leaders for freshman ministry. And um, after being a freshman small group leader, loving um, pouring into freshmen, especially being able to develop those friendships with my freshman girls that I'm still very good friends with several of those freshman girls. So being able to do that senior year. Right. So Nancy, the people are dying to know because we just stated that we were, um, we were not friends. So why weren't we friends, Nancy? What? So I always felt, and I'll just, well, let's get it all out there for the world to know. Yes. I always felt like this girl, Nancy was so cool and so holy. And I always felt like I was putting myself out there in friendship and just, you just kept rejecting me. So like, tell me your side of the story. That did not happen, folks. (laughs) Um, Hampton 
has grown so much since I've known oh, him. Man, Fresh I love it when people blame you for the reason why. We just—it makes sense. We're, no, right. we're very different personalities. Even before this podcast, you judging me for my journals and my royal process. Pause, pause. This is the first time I cut you off. No monologuing. Um, Nancy has a what you call it a processing journal, which is great. Look, if you have a processing journal and you're listening, that's great. Okay, but if you know me. I'm the kind of person that's never made it to the end of a journal. I've never even made it past like page 12. Nancy has paintings. She has poems. She has words in different fonts. <laughs> she has a color code system. It's amazing. It's, it's sincerely amazing. I'm blind. I can't see the journal. I can't see the paintings. But what I know is that Nancy has this journal. It's like, it's like uh, what's the guy that painted the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> it's like his sister had a journal. Um, and it was Egyptian in nature, and that's Nancy's journal. Oh, Nancy, gosh. why else won't we friends keep going? Just such different personalities to where I would be like that, and you're like, I don't get it, but you wouldn't want to talk and like get to know someone, and their different views. But right. you, this is not a bad thing. But right. as, as a freshman, this everything this that was. I said before the word "bully" is a lie. <laughs> Always. You have very, very strong opinions, and at that time, you. I feel like you really didn't know the line of when to just not share those opinions. Yeah. And you just kind of, if it wasn't heard, then you're just going to walk away. So we couldn't yeah. really have a conversation. So it was more of a one and done conversation. But I wouldn't say we weren't friends. We just weren't tight. Yeah. We, we weren't like the kind of people who text or call or have each other's number or hang out outside of church. So I don't know if what you define friends as. But I don't know that we were friends. But here's the cool part. This is we said all that to say this. Nancy and I have been become close in the past like three three months, months barely. And so as Nancy and I were talking through some of our own crap, we ended up like <laughs> hanging out, getting coffee, right? Mm -hmm. And like having coffee for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Totally platonic for those of you out there that heard the same <laughs> yes. on this episode. Totally platonic. And we started to kind of unravel um, the growth that we were all of us, both of us were going, going yeah. through. Um, and then Nancy let me in on a piece of her life. And this is why we get into the meat of the podcast. And so we became friends, moral of the story. Yes. Um, but we became friends out of sharing each other's burdens and sharing yeah. some, some hard stuff in each other's life. And so Nancy, I would love for you to give us the unfiltered yeah. uh, version of your story and why you're on the podcast today. Our more and more listeners are just, I mean, first of all, thousands of them. <laughs> I mean, biggest faith and culture podcast ever put out by Shannon College. <laughs> um, they want to know what your story is and why you're on the podcast. Yeah, so through Hampton and I just kind of catching up and saying like, hey, let's let's get together. Um, and it honestly started out with me texting him, encouraging him about this podcast and um, just wanted to send over some encouragement and, and again, kind of seeing the fruit of what the Lord has done yeah. and through that and us sharing and just being like, Hey, this is reality of our lives. Um, but we're going to glorify the Lord. Um, I shared with him my struggle with an eating disorder, um, yeah. a struggle that had lasted for four years. Um, sure started out with disordered eating. Um, so kind of the stepping stones, uh, but junior year of college, it went over that line into a full blown eating disorder and kind of- So real quick, yeah. what is the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder? Yes. For my brain. 
So disordered eating is where you have some symptoms of an eating disorder, where you have an unhealthy relationship with okay. food, whereas <coughs> an eating disorder is when it's starting to control your life right. and you are now consumed by this mental illness and you're not really able to kind of think outside of that to where every aspect of your life is affected. So mm -hmm. your relationships, your job, your work, yeah. um, your personality, everything is affected by the eating disorder. Whereas disordered eating may just affect you when you eat. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was kind of for the first year and a half, like it affected me when I ate or here and there, there would be thoughts, but when it turned into a full-blown eating disorder, it affected me 24-7, even when it had nothing to do with food. I was still being affected by it. Yeah. So how did your experience with eating disorder, how did it play out? Like, what is, give me kind of the timeline of Nancy's, and I, I'm assuming here because mm -hmm. I, I, I have known you well for three months or less, <laughs> um, and I'm assuming so it's still there's still things that you're probably dealing with that come from that time. And so what does the timeline look like for you um, in moving from disordered eating and then just what, what habits and practices are, are we talking about? Yeah. So speaking, we always talk about, especially in the church culture, like girls struggle with body image and all these things. So it's and like, guys don't, and, right? We have no issues. And that's that. why <laughs> I hate, that terminology because right. guys really do but Absolutely. we put it as oh girls just deal with this it's something they need to get over right. so i had the class like like you know growing up especially middle school sex yeah. if you loved middle school you were blessed because <laughs> middle school is awful but yeah. um i remember the very first moment it caught hold it was december of freshman year of college mm -hmm. i remember standing in front of my mirror in my college dorm and thinking i need to stop eating and I remember, like, I remember exactly that moment where I was standing. My roommates were not home. It was a week before uh, Christmas break. So I remember that happening. And over Christmas break, there were things that happened, um, things that were not intentional, but kind of some outside factors that falsely affirmed this thought that I now had in my head. So now yeah. I started thinking, okay, like, I do not look good. I... Um, have gained that like freshman 15 and that's horrible. And all of these things um, that were going on inside of my head were being falsely affirmed from the outside. So right. situations were happening. Um, and so that kind of started me off at a, on a wrong foot with all of this. Yeah. And then it was fun once, uh, you know, school started picking back up and I was kind of in my routine. I had shared with, you know, one of my roommates that this was hard, but she didn't really understand. She was like, oh, you're fine kind of thing and kind of yeah. belittling my feelings and my thoughts. Yeah. And so I started to kind of push it away. And that summer was my first summer working for a camp that I grew up going to. Right. And there was one day we were doing beach rec um, and I got really dehydrated. And so my whole team, when they saw me, they thought it was, we were in Orange Beach, Alabama. It was over like 95 degrees. So it was very, very it's hot. hot. It's very hot in Alabama. Um, but so I got very, very sick that night. However, the next morning before we were going back out to beach rec and I was fine, two of the older girls on the team pulled me aside. It was like, hey, let's go sit outside before the rest of the team gets out. And they're like, you weren't just dehydrated. We've been seeing your eating patterns. You got sick because you hadn't, you haven't been eating well. Yeah. And um, on that team, there was a lot of girls that were super fit and ate super healthy and were yeah. very conscious. And for me, I was like, I have to confirm in this way because I'm not good enough yeah. in comparison. So I played the comparison game a lot. Yeah. 
Um, so for the next year and a half, like it was a struggle whenever I ate or if someone said something. Um, but junior year of college was one of the worst experiences of my life. Like very much struggled with it. And at this point, I didn't think anything was wrong with me. I didn't think yeah. abnormal. And then uh, I went to Alabama to visit um, several friends because we had another friend getting married. Uh, and this friend was in a program for anorexia. Mm-hmm. And so I was with her and she's on a very, very strict eating plan. But I could not follow her eating plan because um, I thought I was eating way too much. And so this whole weekend was such a struggle because she's on a very specific eating plan to help with her anorexia, but I couldn't follow it. And so when I got home, I broke down crying with my roommate in college and she was in grad school for um, health and um, like counseling and all these things. And so she literally (laughs) was being trained on how to process with someone who's dealing with this. And I broke down crying. And at this point in my life, I kept a note on my phone and recorded how many calories I was eating each yeah. day. And I, for the past month at that time, I had been eating a thousand calories or less. Mm. And a normal person's supposed to consume like yeah. over 2000, you know? So I was eating extremely bad, like for someone, for like yeah. natural nutrients. And so, that's when I started to realize like, okay, this isn't normal, but I didn't think anything was wrong. And she was like, Nancy, you need to go to counseling. And at this point I had just been quote unquote elected to be president of the college ministry. And I was in charge of freshman ministry. And I was in Mm -hmm. a lot of these like leadership roles. And I was like, there's no way I can struggle with something like this because I have to maintain this image of Nancy Farrig, who is this leader, even like how you were saying at the beginning of this podcast, this idea of who I was. And I was like, I can't deal with something like this. And I was like, you know what? I'll go to counseling and like nip this in the bud and like before it gets bad. And it wasn't until my second counseling session where my counselor, I went to the counseling center at USC, um, more out of a way of any other option, I would have to use insurance and I didn't want my family to know. So I wanted to hide it from my parents. And so I thought I was being proactive, but in my second counseling session, she grabbed her like clinical book and read out descriptions of eating disorders. And she was like, Nancy, at first when you came last time, I thought you had disordered eating. However, the way you are talking about how it has affected every single part of your life, yeah. I, you have an eating disorder. And for right. me, I just started bawling in that room because I was like, how, how did I get here? How? Right. And she's like, Nancy, you are struggling <coughs> with something called atypical anorexia and binge eating disorder. Yeah. And so atypical anorexia is anorexia without um, the body mass part requirement for anorexia. Right. So she's like... Everything about you is anorexic except your physical symptoms have not caught up yet. She's like, you were about three to four weeks away from losing 50 pounds and probably being hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And to hear that, that I was so close to being that person that was skin and bones, kind of wrecked me. Um, And I remember going home and writing in my journal, I had my second counseling session. Um, and my name is Nancy Farrig and I have an eating disorder. Yeah. And in that moment, I had a false sense of identity. Yeah. So I now took my eating disorder as my identity and this is yeah. who I am um, in a very dangerous way. And I was very, very good at hiding my eating disorder yeah. because my physical symptoms hadn't caught up with 
um, what I was doing to myself. But when I was at Shandon College events, if I knew there was an event, I wouldn't eat for 24 hours so I could eat at the event so no one's eyebrows would be raised. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. I am interested to know, like, at what, was there a point where you thought, because um, you, you talked about the moment where you stood in front of a mirror, yeah, and that was, like, the moment where you said, I, I should stop eating, and in my counseling sessions, um, and this is about you, so don't <laughs> ask me too many questions, um, but we've talked about, like, that, the insane thinking that we build, um, and we, we basically build patterns of thinking these ridiculous thoughts, but we've convinced ourselves that they're normal, yeah, and so... Um, I've had moments like that as well, but there, was there a moment where you realized, I guess, in the movement from disordered eating to eating disorders that you realized, I have now lost control of whatever this is? Was, was, there, a, was there a process or was there a moment where you were like, oh, this is now in everything and I, I'm not able to, to stop the snowball? Yeah, so there were several different situations, um, but the, the main moment when I realized something wasn't right was when I broke down crying with yeah. my roommate um, mm-hmm. at... 10 or 11 o'clock at night right when I got back from Birmingham, Alabama and her saying, Nancy, you feeling this way and the fact that you are bawling your eyes out right now shows that this is not okay. So that's when I realized like I couldn't eat normal. I had to record everything that I ate because I was so afraid and having to realize that there was a deeper issue but it was coming out as an eating disorder. And right. then having, over the next few years, uproot all of these really deep heart issues and lies that I had believed for so long about my identity and um, how the Lord views me, how I present myself to others. Yeah. And so that moment of breaking down, because my friend at that time, like who was anorexic and was getting better yeah. and not being able to follow her eating plan, right. that that shook me. I was like, this is what normal people eat. Yet I cannot follow this. Yeah. And then that's when I realized like, this is not okay what I'm doing. Yeah. So there, there seemed to be like a lot of root issues in some of the stuff that you said. Yeah. Um, so like some of them being control, some of them being identity related. Mm -hmm. Obviously maybe all of them are related to identity. A lot of them like comparison. Um, so is this something that you've struggled in struggle with in growing up or like those those root issues and they kind of blossomed in this horrific flower i guess you'd say like what um how did how did your upbringing play into to some of this yeah so growing up i was the cookie cutter good little christian girl grew up in that. church i can see that <laughs> so it's have, not a shocker have amazing parents yeah. um who love the lord and uh, grew up in a Christian home, which is very much a God thing, especially my parents moving to America from living in Egypt and living in a 90% Muslim country, but actually loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, was in Sunday school, did Bible drill and memorized the verses. <laughs> we called and, it sword drill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where you had to like hold your That's Bible right. and That's they right. tell you to like flip to a certain book and yes, you had one chance and oh, if you got it, you nightmare. stood. Yeah. Those, wow, those were not the days, but so (laughs) kind of had this expectation of how I should live my life. And even in high school, like I would have friends that would watch me so closely to wait for me to mess up because they knew I was a Christian. So they're waiting and I get super frustrated because I'm like, I'm not perfect. That's why like I need Jesus. But I mean, at that time I couldn't really articulate it 
but they would wait for me to like say something or do something or get angry. Um, so having to feel like I have to put on this front and for all of those who don't know me, um, my dad has been disabled for over 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And so in sixth grade, my dad had an accident and, um, has been in some very severe medical, um, situations and has gone through a lot. And so, for a middle schooler not really knowing how to process that, I put the burden on myself that I have to carry my family. So I can't be hurting, and if I'm hurting, that goes to the side because I have to carry my family and be okay. Because if I'm hurting, then that means I don't have faith in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I was like, I can't show that I'm hurting because then I'm not a real Christian, quote unquote. So I think that's why for three years, I was struggling with this disordered eating that turned into an eating disorder that no one knew about because I had just pushed it to the side Um, and being like, no, like I'm Nancy Farrig. And I honestly was putting a weight on my name that was never designed to be put on Nancy Farrig. That's only designed to be put on Christ. Yeah, I was taking that burden. I was taking this weight and putting it on myself of how I present myself instead of allowing the Lord to work through my weaknesses because I was saying if I'm weak then the Lord my faith isn't real yeah it's interesting just having this conversation yeah um, because we've we've had this conversation once before just so I kind of was up to date so I didn't go into this blind because I think (laughs) um, that would not have been fun for either of us but um, it's interesting to see like how people's struggles line up and how um, even our stories line up because I, I, I really resonate with like the um, the wanting to have control <clears throat> and even like I, we were very different growing up even I had awesome parents too but um, I grew up wanting to rebel because rebellion meant I, I got to have control of who I was that I didn't have to be I didn't have to fit the cookie cutter that I was trying to be fit in and you seem to like embrace the cookie cutter <laughs> and do your best to stay within that confine mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool how that, I mean, it's it's the exact same story of rebellion and desire to take control yeah. of our identity. So talk to me, um, if you will, about like the, and I hate to put it this way because I don't know how to mince my words very well, but talk to me about like the worst that it got for you um, yeah. in the moment, in the spir- especially like the spiritual nature of that moment. Like, because you know as well as I do, when we take our identity yeah. um, and make it our own, Eventually, there comes a moment as the master of your fate where you realize I was not intended to play this role, mm-hmm. and my my little kingdom that I built for myself is burning down. Um, so, what was that? What was that like for you? Yeah, right when you said that, I have a specific instance, yeah. um, and I think this it is considered the worst moment because it involved other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of my life, junior year, um, when it had turned into a full-blown eating disorder, yeah. it was bad for a very extended period of time, for months that I was working yeah. through. But um, I had a few triggers that came back senior year. Mm-hmm. And there was a weekend, is actually the weekend that the ba- the boys' basketball team like made it to the final four. Boom. And so what an amazing moment, senior year for us in basketball and we were a big group of us were meeting to go um, to the Coliseum to welcome the boys home and literally the entire campus was out there and it was one of the coolest moments however one of my good friends who knew what was happening so during this whole time no more than four people actually knew what was happening in my life and the extent of it Um, here in Columbia I had my best friend in Texas and 
um, my best friend that I grew up with since I was in kindergarten, um, who knew, like, outside of being here at USC, but only four people here at USC really knew. And she could tell that I was not okay, but we were with a group, so, and her and I met every single Monday, um, my, our senior year, so we just got together and spent some time, and so she had texted me when we were in the group, she's like, hey, do you need to step away, because she knew, she wasn't going to ask, are you okay, because she knew the answer, and she had known that I was starting to fight some of these lies in my eating disorder tendencies, and I was like, we're fine. We'll talk tomorrow. Right. Uh, Monday comes. Her roommates were home. And so she asked me, she's like, do you want to step in my room? I'm like, no, it's fine. She's like, okay, my roommates are about to leave. And then we can talk about what's going on. So at this point, I had not eaten in 24 hours. And that was not the longest that I've gone without eating. And yeah. n- whether <clears throat> in weeks or whatever. Yeah. But just that 24 hours, I had not eaten anything. So I had gotten up to go to the restroom And then when I was leaving the restroom, I got very, very dizzy and lightheaded and had to sit back down on the ground uh, because I couldn't walk. And praise the Lord that she had to get something out of her room because she saw that the bathroom door was cracked. And so she came in because it had been a while and the door was open and she found me almost completely passed out in her bathroom. So she carries me to her bed and um, immediately starts making food. But seeing the look on her face of how like this is not just affecting me, but it's affecting the people that care about me that I say that I don't have people caring about me. Um, Or these lies that I'm not loved, that I'm not wanted, that I'm not cherished. All of these lies that were creeping back into my life. Um, And I told her, I was like, hey, I need you to text um, A and B. So the two other people that really knew what was happening, I said, you need to text them and tell them what happened because I'm not going to but I know that they need to know what happened right now. Yeah. So I remember her making me food and having me eat it and just her sitting there quietly after she carried me to her bed yeah. um, so that I could regain consciousness and, and energy because yeah. you eat to get energy, you know, right. and function. Um, but my body was shutting down and that was so terrifying because even though junior year was the worst lengthwise that it was something that went over for several months in this moment that's when my body started to shut down and then I freaked out um and I had one other situation like that uh last year actually when I lived in Greenville um it was a very very difficult season for me a lot of the lies had come back that I did not belong and all these things I remember sitting in my bathroom calling my best friend in Texas um and telling her how scared I was of myself because I didn't trust myself to take care of myself um so those two moments were i very very clear in my head the responses the noises everything that happened around me i remember so clearly because that's when it kind of shocked me and to my core i think um one of the cool things about like redemption and we're going to get to that in a minute because it's the best part of the story absolutely Um, (laughs) but one of the cool things about redemption is getting to navigate um, what God has to fix about your situation, right? Mm-hmm. So like the just general brokenness, the fact that we live in a jacked up world. Um, but then the, the parts that are also like on us, like the, yeah. like we're jacked up people and we make the world jacked up. Um, <laughs> so that we're, we're not, we're not passive actors. Like we, we're, we're initiating some of the brokenness. And so how much of this is like just the brokenness of who we are when we rebel against Christ? And then how much of it is legitimate sin, at least in your life? How, how do you, and how do you navigate that? 
Yeah, it was very yeah. difficult for me to understand how to manage something that was so internalized. Yeah. Um, especially because junior year, kind of at the height of it, I would stay up until two or three in the morning reading articles about eating disorders yeah. and symptoms and all of these things. And I was right. making that my identity when I should have been staying up till two or three in the morning reading truth and right. spending time with the Lord and pouring yeah. into that. Um, and very much realizing how much of an identity issue. Right. And for those of you who do not struggle with eating disorders, it is so much more than just food and your relationship yeah. with food. It is not, you can't just tell someone, oh, just eat something. Right. Uh, that does not work <laughs> at all because it is so much more mental and so much deeper than just, I think I'm fat and so I need to stop eating. There is yeah. so much more that goes into that. And I was taking my identity from the wor the words of this world instead of the truth yeah. that the creator lavished over me. So my identity was resting in the world and not in scripture and in truth. Um, and this was a time that, quote unquote, I was at my peak of my like spiritual leadership. You yeah. know, I was president. I was all of these things that like I should have had the strongest faith. Yet those were the yeah. times I struggled the worst with my eating disorder. Right. We're at these times because I was doing all of these things and in my own strength. And so looking back now, having to navigate external factors and then internally, um, because I would waste hours upon hours sitting by myself in my room and yeah. I'm not an introvert. <laughs> like if you know me, you know that is very true. I'm not an introvert, I love people, yeah. but I retreated tremendously and was very alone right. um, during these seasons because I didn't want to be around people to expose what was happening in my heart that I was believing that I was not worth it. I was yeah. believing that I'm not good enough. And I was in an internship situation where for a year I was told I was a bad leader. Yeah. And so this is kind of where my identity and control came into play of, okay, well I suck at everything else in my life so if I change the yeah. way that I look then maybe I'll have something going for me because yeah. I'm being told these lies and so wanting to be able to control something in my life and say okay I can control the way that I look and how I eat and if I do that then people will like me more because there's a reason people don't like me and it's my fault yeah. instead of seeing the Lord take things away to bring me back to him yeah. saying that your identity and your worth is in me and me alone mm -hmm. and you living this life of having it all together does not work because that negates everything about the gospel. Right. The reason I sent my son Jesus is because you do not have it together. Yeah. <laughs> um, you need a savior. You are right. broken. You are sinful. You are being pulled a million different directions with who you are. Yet I have already told you who you are, that you yeah. are called, that you are redeemed and that you are mine. Yeah. And that was something I didn't believe. However, if a girl, like a freshman girl came up to me and tell me, telling me that she was struggling with these things, I would give all the Christian answers and coach her yeah. through this, but I didn't believe any of that. Yeah. And it was very hard and I felt like such a hypocrite because I could share all of these Jesus answers, yet for mm. me, it was not good enough and it was not true. These truths were not true for Nancy Ferry, but they yeah. could be true for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of head knowledge of like, I could spout out the scriptures. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were all these things. But for me, I did not allow those truths to be true. Right. Um, and I did not lean into the Lord the way that I should have. And 
we talk about in sin and, and struggles and all these things, there may be a tendency to run away from the Lord and fix right. yourself before you come to the Lord. And that's what I did. I was like, I have to fix myself because I can't be this leader while struggling with something like an eating disorder. Yeah. And I never thought I would struggle with an eating disorder growing up. I was like, no, I love food too much. I could never struggle with an eating disorder. Right. But again, it's so much more than just food. Um, and in my counseling sessions, having to process that in junior year, starting in January, well, starting in February till the end of the year, right. every single week I was either in my counselor's office or with a nutritionist. Yeah. Um, so every single week I was in one of those two places, but in the building that it was at when I was a student, if I saw someone I knew, I bolted and went a different direction so no one would see me yeah. because they would naturally ask, oh, do you have class here? And I didn't want to lie and yeah. be like, oh yeah, I'm going to class. Um, but I didn't want to tell them. I was not right. about to tell people, no, I'm going to counseling because I have an eating disorder. Right. I think, man, so now y'all know why I love Nancy. <laughs> y'all don't know yet why Nancy loves me, but y'all know why I love Nancy. Um, I think, man, you said so much. I, I can't, I don't even want to comment on it because it was so good. Um, <laughs> so I want to know, and you may have no idea, but okay. it's something you said at the beginning, which I wanted to kind of parse out a little bit. But yeah. um, so this is, I told you this up front, so this is not going to be a shock, but this is something I have zero experience in, and Lord willing, we'll never have any experience in. And like, to be blunt, don't understand. Like, yeah. it's, it is a foreign thing to me. Uh, and I've always like, you. there are some things that people struggle with that you think, this is a feminine sin, brokenness problem, and this is a, this is a masculine sin, brokenness problem. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times, like, I look at my own life and my own sin, and I think, if I tell a woman this, like anyone, my mother, like if I go yeah. to my mom about this, she's not going to get it. Um, mm -hmm. This is one of those things that like, it seems foreign to me. And then I, I'm, as I'm like researching, finding out that people do struggle with the same stuff. Yeah. So yeah. How much of this is unique to, to women? Educate me as a man. Uh, woman explain this to me. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, great. Yeah. Educate me. For, I think there there is a reason. There's a stereotype that women yeah. deal with this because statistically, yes, women do deal with this right. a lot more. And you, the classic reasons that you learn about in school in your right. health class because of ads in the way that women are sexualized and saying like, if you don't look like this, then you are not beautiful. Or right. if you're not dating someone, then you are not good enough because if you were skinny enough, pretty enough, whatever, then you would be dating someone. And all That's of these things. how you get things. bums, by the way. Bums. <laughs> you end up with yes. lames. Keep and so having to present yourself outwardly and even look at the way we treat social media. If you don't have the perfect angle right. or if you look a certain way, then you're not going to post that picture because you yeah. don't look good enough. So I think there there is a reason stereotypes yeah. exist. They are based off of some truth. Yeah. But there are guys that struggle with it. And even on my camp team my last summer, we go around and share like our 10-minute testimony. Yeah. And two of the guys on our team talked about their struggle with an eating disorder. Yeah. One, um, he struggled with binging because they were trying to fill this emotion. And like in a time they were super low, they yeah. used food as a way to binge and like take control and to kind of like how some people with alcohol or drugs or whatever to numb what's happening. Yeah. For them, it was just food. Yeah. And someone else... Um, talking about how he began to restrict because people were saying like he wasn't good enough or and he's an actor and so there's a lot of stigma of you know eating disorders in that type of community right. um in the theater community yeah. 
And I had not shared in my testimony about my struggles with an eating disorder. Because again, this podcast is the first time I've been very, very vocal about it. I've before this, you had to be someone significant for me to share that I had this. Because if you if you would have told me a year ago that I was going to share on a podcast to let yeah. everyone know that I struggled with an eating disorder for right. years, I would have said, no, that's <laughs> not ever going to happen. Um, but just seeing the beauty of the Lord's redemption, right. um, we're getting on a rabbit trail, so I'll go back to the original question yeah. you asked. So back to what you actually asked me. Guys do struggle with this. Right. And again... It is a much deeper heart issue. And so a lot of people can struggle with identity and it may come out a different way. For me, it came out like my struggle with identity and control came out through an eating disorder. Um, So there are some people who probably struggle with eating disorders where that is not the root. Um, And they have a very different story. And that, again, with mental illnesses, it affects people differently, especially who you're surrounded by. And if you have support, if you don't, if you know you have a problem or you don't, if you're seeking counsel or if you're not. And I definitely want to speak out to those not knowing much about an eating disorder, I think, no, I know the majority of people only see the extremes of you are skin and bones and I can see that there's something wrong with you or you are purging and throwing up almost every meal. I think that's when we associate eating disorder. So for me, I was like, I'm fine. I'm not skin and bones and nothing's wrong with me, which is why I got to the place where my counselor was like, no, you have an eating disorder because you are weeks away from being hospitalized and losing 50 to 60 pounds. And I want people to know that it is a spectrum. Um, It is not just about the physical appearance or the physical actions because it is a mental illness. So a lot of it is happening inside of your head so you don't know um, cause right. if you had seen me in college, I mean, you've known me since freshman year, Yeah, I had no idea. you had no idea. Yeah. And even when you and I met up a few weeks ago and I ended up sharing, you kind of were taken back. Like, wait, what? You, yeah. you struggled with this? And it's like, yeah, I was very good at hiding it cause my physical symptoms had just not caught up yet. Yeah. But I was full blown eating disorder. Like even walking to class, I was thinking about it even in everything. It affected yeah. every aspect of my life. And there... There is a lot of shame that comes with that, which is why, you know, a year ago I'd say I would never talk about this because how could I struggle with something so extreme and especially being someone who was on the outside for a while um, saying like, how? Just eat something, you know, because I didn't understand until I was in the thick of it. Um, Like, I can't share it with people. They're going to think I'm crazy and they're going to, you know, kind of like my freshman roommates did just say, just, you're fine. Like, you're, you're pretty, whatever just eat something and for me thinking well I can't share with anybody because they're not going to under I can't even explain what's happening in my head because it's a war like these truths and these lies are like ripping me in half and I don't understand which one's true and which one's a lie yet so so talk to us about what redemption looks like for you like what is the end result that makes Nancy now right (laughs) like um one thing I struggle with is like looking at my sin. Even now, like I look at myself as like, I, I am the chief of sinners. Like I resonate with Paul when he says that. Yeah. But I'm also like the chief of saints. Like I'm, I have, if I'm as holy as Christ says I am when I'm hidden in his righteousness, like then that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, and so what is, what does redemption look like for you? Redemption. This is amazing because even just on a very basic level, me doing this podcast is showing the Lord's glory that yeah. in 
a season of four years that I was struggling so severely and wanted to hide everything because I felt like I had to put up this front. I'm free from that bondage of, no, I don't have it all together, but I have a Jesus who has called me his own. Like I have a savior that the creator of the universe who's created everything knows my deepest things. And for a long time, I saw kind of God on the outside and he was looking in a window and seeing, you know, my house catching on fire and was just a spectator where now I'm like, no, he was there. He was drawing me closer. Um, and I was the one who was pulling away. And so being able to use a part of my life that hurt me so deeply that, you know, I still will have effects from it for the rest of my life. Like to go through something for four years that hurt me, that caused so much tears and pain and anguish, but being able to say now, like, look at God, he, has done a work in my heart to where those lies, I'm not in chains and in bondage anymore. Um, And being so thankful for the community he brought around me and that I had, you know, those few friends that knew the reality and who genuinely loved me through it. Um, Who would remind me of little truths. That was a trick that I would do when those lies came in of like little truths. And one of them, one of my friends, the one that had helped me, carried me to the bed, um, and I had almost passed out, she would do that with me, like, little truths, Nancy. So, Nancy has a nose ring. Like, for those of you who don't know, I have a nose ring. I used to, think, I think I used to, like, pseudo-bully you for that nose ring. Probably. Yeah. Um, but, but it's great. Thank you. Yeah. But it's something that I can't argue with, because yeah. I physically see it. So, these big, overarching truths that Scripture gives us, I could not believe it. So I had to kind of work my way up uh, to, okay, Nancy has a nose ring. Nancy is Egyptian. Things that I literally could not argue (laughs) um, and kind of work my way back. And just being able to see the Lord be so patient. Y'all, God is so patient with us that, I mean, you probably experienced this, like, thank you, God, for oh, still being here. I need more, I no, need more because patience. we have no, talked about totally. the things in our lives Definitely. of how the Lord is like, you know, I would want to be like, again, yeah. Nancy, are you really struggling with this again? Yeah. Um, but the, seeing the Lord's patience in all of that and bringing me little reminders of his love and of his Absolutely. goodness. And instead of trying to fix my eating disorder issue, it's like, let me learn what it's like to be loved by Jesus. Yeah. Instead of trying to do all these things to fix it, let me just fall in love with Jesus more and um, to show some vulnerability. Like I've gone through um, a really hard situation the last few months. Um, yeah. And honestly, if I would have gone through this situation um, that had challenged my worth and my identity and yeah. um, being cared and pursued, if I had gone through that any time before this year, yeah. my eating disorder would have been triggered like that. And seeing now that mm-hmm. I'm able to fight these lies with truth, and there is a reason why in the Christian culture and in church, we talk so much about memorizing scripture. Yeah. And that is one of the hardest things for me, but I have seen the way the Lord uses that yeah. so evidently in my life. Um, that when these lies come in, he brings scripture to my head and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's right. And I may not believe it. And if those of you who are struggling with this or something completely different, it's okay if you don't believe these truths right now. And I feel like we put so much pressure of like, oh, you're struggling with this. That means you're not a real Christian because I was a believer. I am a believer. I am someone who has followed the Lord since I was very young. So you struggling with something that in your mind 
seems to be a very, very huge, dramatic sin, um, you are not far from grace. Yeah. Like grace is there and for everyone. And so having to spend the last few years of uprooting these really deep lies that I had been telling myself yeah. that had been falsely affirmed by the outside world. So yeah. in my mind, they were affirming all the lies in my head. So that's when yeah. I kind of had switched into an eating disorder. Um, again, falsely, but they were there because the world is filled with lies and we'll yeah. do that. But being able to see the Lord's hand in every situation and him constantly reminding me that I'm his and where my worth is and my identity and yeah. showing little by little, because at some of those lowest points, I, I didn't know how to move forward. I was right. like, I'm sitting here on the ground in my room, crying my eyes out in front of my mirror, and I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. But now being able to actually believe some of those things I would tell others yeah. for myself and seeing just the joy and the freedom that I have. Um, it took time, <laughs> and sometimes I don't want it to take time. Right. I want it to be a quick fix, and we're good, and I put a Band-Aid on it, shove it in a closet, and we're great, right? So, yeah. But having to go through so much pain in a way that I can truly worship the Lord, which is what I wasn't. Yeah. And I'm very thankful. I had two friends junior year. They were both asking me, they're like, hey, Nancy, how are you doing? I was giving them some crap answer. I was like, oh, I'm great, blah, blah, blah. And I could tell they were not having it. They yeah. had the look on their face, and they were both like. It's the church answer. Yeah, it, yeah. I gave Ugh. the church answer Yikes. 100%. I had the mask. I played like I was fine. And they're like, no, you're not okay. And I was like, oh crap. Like they didn't even wait for me to come to that conclusion. They called me out yeah. significantly. And, but it was one of those things that I was very, I'm still very good friends with these two guys that because of the way that they approached me, like it was done in love. And I was like, yeah. okay, I, there's an issue here because I'm putting on this mask, acting like I'm okay when I am completely breaking inside yeah. and to see a transformation over the last few years um, to be able to speak into others' lives, but to be able to fall in love with Jesus more yeah. and seeing that's redemption of there are these things that I was in bondage to, but because of salvation, I'm no longer bound to sin, right. but I'm bound to righteousness and that these truths, I may not believe them. And at those times I didn't believe them, but being able to continue to pursue a God who has already pursued yeah. us um, and seeing over the last few years, these big truths that were so hard for me to believe became true for me. Yeah. Um, awesome. And just being free from the need to present myself in this way because I felt like I had to or else I was yeah. not good enough to be able to lead others. Yeah. So we've got to shut this down soon, but because um, I just realized what time it was. Um, <laughs> now, I think um, what is... What do you say to the person that's right now in the midst of this? Um, real quick, like what are some things they need to know? What resources, whatever yeah. they can seek? Um, if you are a student at USC, there are resources for yeah. you. I mean, I went to counseling both junior and senior year yeah. at USC for free. And yeah. you can see a nutritionist for free. And you there are so many. She said free. So free. F-R-E-E. So like, you lame. All right. All right. All right. So um, she just told you dudes struggle with this. And dudes, we, I get it, man. I totally, I went to counseling for the first time as an adult. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go see this other dude and talk about my life. And it's just, it's a, it's a wild scenario. 
don't be don't be a dork that like can't go talk to somebody about how you feel or what you're struggling with, um, because you'll die. Okay. <laughs> what we do as men, we build it up inside of ourselves because we can't admit that a puppy's cute for like. 18 years and then all of a sudden all that feelings just boils out and then you'll die. So don't do it. Go to counseling. Keep going. Yes. Nancy, sorry. And I, my college roommate, the one who really sat down with me and was like, you, this is a problem. We need to get yeah. help. She met me on campus to walk with me to make an appointment. That's great. So, cause I wasn't about to do about myself. Yeah. Um, again, pride. Yeah. So one, there are resources for you. And if you are not a student at USC and you are listening to this podcast, there are resources out there. Um, But my second thing, find people that you know who love you and tell them what is happening. I would not have survived if I did not have those friends. I would have gotten to the losing 50 pounds, probably hospitalized, taken out of school point if I did not have people like my roommate and my three to four closest friends here at USC who could keep me accountable because there were times where it was hard and they had to be very upfront with me like, no, we're going to go eat. And I didn't want to or whatever and they were having to speak some hard truths However, there were people that I trusted and I knew that what they were doing was in love. Yeah. Uh, this is not, I do not advise that you go and tell everybody yeah. <laughs> um, because that's going to cause more harm if a ton of people know because they're going to watch you eat and like you're going to freak out or at least that was for me. So, yeah. but I challenge you get two to three people yeah. that you trust and that you love, that yeah. you know, love you, that know that they are rooted in pursuing the Lord and in scripture that can walk alongside you. And I even had my friends out of town, like we would FaceTime while eating lunch together just as accountability, but we wouldn't talk about anything. We, but we knew like we're going to FaceTime and even my college roommate, we went and got groceries together and made a meal plan. And so she was like, Hey, she would text me, Hey, it's snack time. So knowing that like you need a support, um, and you are not alone if you struggle with this. And do not think that because you are a believer that you are not allowed to struggle mm. because in all of this pain and all of this struggle, the Lord's glory is being proclaimed. Yeah. Um, and you are being reminded of who he is and you're being drawn into the gospel that is so good and so sweet. Yeah. So you are not Absolutely. alone. I'm going to say that again. You are not alone. Um, and even though you may have friends who do not struggle with this and may not understand what's happening in your head, if you are around people who love Jesus, they will be patient with you. Yeah. They will understand that they may not understand, but they are still going to walk alongside you and you need that you need community the lord has created us for community so do not put up that front that you have it all together because it's okay to not have it all together because that's why we needed jesus so do not put the mask on the mask that i did for years that i had it all together um yeah awesome well nance um i love you you're you and i are living proof that um the Lord uses jacked up, broken, <laughs> absolutely messes of people. Um, real quick before we leave, we're gonna skip the news articles. Uh, friends who are listening, I know you guys are just dying to hear Nancy's <laughs> comments on random articles. Uh, our producer Caleb will be back, and he is the organization piece of this whole thing. Uh, Nancy can attest to what a show that this has been. Um, it's been great. Yeah, Nancy, give us some uh, recommendations. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Sweet. So I am a leadership guru. Like I love it. And even with my job. Guru. <laughs> She's a guru. 
And even with my job, like we're in an 11 month leadership development thing. Yeah. So reading a lot of leadership articles, but um, some books, The Habitudes yeah. um, by Tim Elmore, he just kind of have these daily yeah, things where just different concepts and then it asks questions and it's great yeah. on leadership and it's based in a biblical perspective. Yeah. So it's really, really cool. It can be cheesy, it's some really of the analogies. Yeah, so they, I've used read, a lot of it. It's fine. He reads a lot. Um, ask Hampton about all the books. So, Habitudes, really good. Habitudes is great. And then the 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader, that's a super easy read. read that. Like, you can read that in a few days. They're, it's super tiny yeah. um, by John C. Maxwell. Really good, just applicable to a lot of things, Dude. especially for college students who are starting awesome. to be in leadership and wanting to get full time jobs. So, those are two like good leadership books. Yeah. Those are the only things I've read recently because I don't have time to read for fun, yeah. um, which is horrible but a great commentary um the christ-centered exposition Ooh, yes that is so good um i love this they are thick and they can be hard no, to get through okay well one That's of us does not have a, a um, seminary degree so yeah barely <laughs> barely <laughs> So if you are looking for a great commentary, and it's really cool because it brings in so much, like I've yes, gone through yeah. Matthew, so it brings so much Old Testament context. I had that one. <laughs> Hampton just got really excited Super about good. it. Super good. Um, and it's really cool to see how yeah. the Bible actually is one whole beautiful story um, mm -hmm. and bringing in all these prophecies and stuff. Yeah. So it's by David Platt, and so it's really great. And Tony Morita has played a lot of roles in it. And yeah. um, so if you're looking for a great commentary to go through, like I've gone through Matthew and Philippians. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any social media that you want to plug? You can probably get like three whole followers out of this, so. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, what's your Instagram? <laughs> Nancy underscore Farrig. So that's my last name. Spell Farrig. F-A-R-A-G. There are no E's in Farrig. Yes. Hey, don't make that mistake. And anything else that you want to plug? I've done it before. Are you serious? Yeah, your name. See, this is why we've only been recently Look, friends for the last three months. You, you didn't know learn. God is good. God um, is good. What else? Do you have anything else to plug? Um, Any last words? Gosh. You know what? Y'all, if you're listening to this, you may not believe truth right now. Yeah. But our God is patient. So keep on moving forward and run to Jesus. Do not run away from him. Yeah. Because when we feel far, it's because we're the ones who have gone away, not because he has. That's good. Well, we'll end it there. As always, I'm Hampton Harmon. Follow us at, I forget whether it's the More and More Podcast or like More and More Podcast. We're on Instagram. Just follow <laughs> us. I'm at Hampton Harmon. If you can't spell it, don't sweat it. Um, we love you. This has been the More and More Podcast. We're out.